This episode of the podcast is brought to you by nobody because I don't have any sponsors, but I did want to let you guys know that if you have any interest in getting some behind-the-scenes content and even access to the video version of the podcast, I have a Patreon where I release exclusive content for this podcast as well as my gaming channel, No Spoilers Gamer. Uh, if you have any interest in that, you can find it at patreon.com slash nospoilerslucidlife. Uh, I also want to say happy, happy new year. Happy 2021. I hope everybody is safe out there. I want to say thank you to all the listeners that have been listening and downloading this podcast, both in my home country, the U.S., but also around the world. Um, I'm very surprised and very, very grateful to see so many different countries that have expressed interest in this topic and this little podcast of mine. Very grateful. Very cool. Uh, also, on that note, if anybody has any questions that they want to that they would like to ask, uh, my future guests on the podcast or myself, feel free to email and ask those questions at a lucid life podcast at gmail.com. And I will go ahead and answer or ask my guests the, the questions that I like. So this podcast and the next one have already been pre-recorded. So any questions that I get won't be asked to my next two guests, but uh, any questions for the future uh, will most certainly be taken into consideration. So my guest for this episode is Jennifer. She is a married mother of two. She is a lifelong lucid dreamer and astral projector, or I guess I should say astral projectionist. I, I've never actually heard what the right term for that would be, but uh, she practices astral projection and lucid dreaming. She's been doing so her entire life. Uh, she is one of the co-hosts for the podcast called The Dream Freaks. She is one of the founding members of a lucid dreaming community called The Lucid Hive, which I have been featured on uh, multiple times. Great community of lucid dreamers and uh, people of that ilk that come together to share their knowledge and experiences and to give helpful insights to anybody who is learning. Feel free to check out The Lucid Hive on Facebook. Uh, and you can also follow Jennifer on YouTube. Her YouTube channel is Jennifer Clarskira at YouTube. So that's Jennifer, J-E-N-N-I-F-F-E-R, Clar, C-L-A-R-O-S-C-U-R-A. And uh, she does dream work over on YouTube. Very, very fascinating woman. Uh, someone I've been trying to get on the podcast for, for many months, actually. And it just didn't work out with uh, our conflicting schedules and life and COVID and all. All that type of stuff. But one of the most interesting women that I've had on the podcast, one of the most interesting episodes that I've had to date. So uh, with that being said, let's get into the podcast. What's up? Hello, Jennifer. Oh, shit. Okay, no more swearing. Hi. <laughs> hey, you can swear. Like, I swear all the time on my podcast. It's no big fucking deal. Hey. All right. So hello, Jennifer. Thank you for joining me on my episode of uh, A Lucid Life. I'm really glad to have you. Obviously, we've been trying to do this for quite some time at this point. <laughs> I I'm, know, right? I'm to get you here. Happy to be here. So how are you doing? You sleep well? Good. Yeah, I slept really well, actually. Yeah. Well, as well as a parent can sleep. You know. Yes, you have, <laughs> you have two kids that are full of energy that I've seen. Yeah, they uh, obliterate my dream recall every so often, but last <laughs> night they didn't, yeah. Because I mean, I'm used to having so many dreams a night, and uh, with some, if if they cry really loud, then it really goes away. Or mm -hmm. if I have to get up and do something like um, change sheets, something you know, really active, then it goes away. But if it's just like uh, they go to the bathroom and I wake up gently, then I can go back to sleep and I remember my dreams. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you usually do for your dream recall? Do you have a journal? Do you just go straight to your voice to voice to text on your phone what do you do yeah you know if, i don't even like 
if I even get up to, to journal, it'll go away. So I, uh, I replay it in my head until it's set. Gotcha. And then um, I'll, I know that I'll remember to write it down. So um, it, that thing where you think, oh, I'm going to remember, um, that doesn't exist, you know? Yeah, yeah. That will go away. So I already know that. So unless I really set it, sorry, I'm putting my battery. You're good. Unless I really set it into my memory, it's almost like a transfer. Mm -hmm. Think of it like downloading into your computer from your camera or something like that. So I'm very aware of that process. Like when it's in the area that it can delete itself versus when it's in the area where I know it's going to bridge over. Yeah, that makes sense. It's for people that are listening that aren't familiar with what we're talking about. Your brain has this natural process when you wake up in the morning of even the slightest movement for whatever reason can cause boom. Yeah. Can cause whatever, however vivid and clear in your mind, what you were dreaming of was the second that you move around for whatever reason, there's like this auto erase thing that just, that just takes place. So essentially what, what Jennifer is saying is that before she really does anything, assuming that the kids aren't really making a whole commotion and she doesn't have to immediately just fucking jump up and see what the hell is going on. She's literally replaying the entire scene that she's experienced to the point where she's essentially downloading the information from that like erasable ether spot to where it's fully implanted into her brain and she just knows what the fuck happened, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes if I do have to get up, I'll re I'll replay it as I'm doing something like changing a diaper. Uh, oh, that's and, and yeah. You know, <laughs> that's a good escape from having to change a diaper. I like that. Even as I am, re I am saying it out loud or replaying it to download. It's still like elusive. It's still escaping, mm -hmm. and I'm like grasping at the last bits that I can. Yeah, it's so weird how that happens. You know, like I wonder what nature's <laughs> reasoning for that was for us not to be able to fully just remember everything all the time. You know. Uh, well, my theory is that um, our dream body is the one holding these memories, or at least the dreamer aspect. So um, integration is really important for me because when I began integrating my waking mind with my dreaming mind, my recall increased. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Only in the case of like something really alarming, I'll totally lose it. Like, you know, like I said, cr loud crying. Um, but if I, if I, if I, before my kids, I was able to not lose my dreams. I have like so many dreams because I would immediately, you know, that moment before you wake up, I guess they call it the hip, 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 not the hypnagogic, the hypnopompic stage. Um, that stage, I was very conscious that I was about to come out of a dream. So I would like really work hard to, I guess the, the point is wake up consciously makes a big difference. Right. Like being aware that, okay, the body is now getting ready to wake itself up. So staying in this state of mind through the wake up part. It's, it's kind of like instead of the, the opposite of falling asleep and into a lucid dream, you know, like a wild, right. is that what it is? Um, yeah. I wake up lucid so that I, I, my dream gets a little, I get a little note notification that mm -hmm. I'm about to wake up and I, I take it from there. Like, so the that, that's, that's called hypno, hypnopompic? Hypnopompic, if I'm not. Okay. I know I, for... I've experienced that like numerous times. I never really had a, a, a way of formulating it into like a word, like describing exactly what that thing was but i know what you're talking about and i've experienced it 
Yeah, hypnopompic is, is the opposite of hypnagogia. Hypnagogia happens before you sleep, between right. sleep and awake. Hypnopompic is upon waking up, you know, that area too. That gotcha. When, you talk, when you're talking about integrating uh, your conscious self to your dream self, are you talking about like the whole, the whole idea of like if you wanted to do something specific in a dream state? So like having that idea, that thing you want to do consciously in your waking self? To where it's so embedded in you to when you become your dream self it's just like automatically there is that what you're referring to like if i wanted to go to the moon and i you know what I, you know what i'm saying like if my dream intention was i wanted to go to the moon i walk around my day just reminding myself that i want to go to the moon i want to go to the moon i want to go to the moon and having it like so ingrained in me that once i become lucid it's just there is that what you mean um I mean, I, I like that idea, but uh, no, what I meant was um, the dreaming mind, bridging it into my waking reality. So what people call lucid living, mm -hmm. except to the, on steroids. Like the nth degree. Like really waking dreaming. Uh, so I, I like to, people use certain parts of their brain when they sleep, and I like to use those when I'm awake. Mm. so it's kind of like um i guess in a way like a like you 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 go in a sort of trance i, um, I don't know it's not really a trance but i guess a waking trance okay. i don't know how else to explain it like waking trip a waking hallucination a waking dream so my dreaming my day begins to resemble a dream because my mind starts to treat it like a dream okay so when uh, I integrate uh, the waking mind, waking mind to waking self, that's what I mean. Like I, I am aware that they are not one. You don't leave one when you wake up. Right. That's right. what I mean. Like I, I don't think that when I open my eyes, my dream stops. So okay. yeah. So I like to think that reality is more flexible, and vice versa. I kind of, I kind of vibe into that. I kind of believe that because I have. I think I've talked about this with Lana. Um, but every day, basically, I'll have at least one moment, at least one moment where I'm just going about my day. And then all of a sudden something shifts and it, the world itself, like the perspective that I'm able to see for some reason, all of a sudden looks exactly, you know how like a lucid dream has like a certain look to it. I, I, you can't really describe it. It's just something that you fucking, once you're there, you're like, oh, I'm here, you know? Yeah pretty much once a day every day i'll have a moment in my waking life where all of a sudden i'll be going about my business all of a sudden there'll be this shift and the world looks exactly like it does when i'm lucid for some reason i don't know why but whenever that kind of stuff happens that kind of furthers my own personal beliefs that like um i remember this is kind of going off topic a little bit but it'll come back i remember it's probably like a month or so ago you were talking about some of the messages you get in between like in between being awake in the dream, like the thing that you said that life, uh, the, what was the message you heard? Like when you woke up, you heard like a voice, you heard a voice, you heard, yeah, which one, right? You heard a voice say like earth was like a game or something like that. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't remember that one. Uh, but yeah, earth. Yeah. I remember that. I just don't remember the exact words I, I used. So, it was like, it was like we're earth. It was a weird thing. Earth is or Earth was. Earth was a game, right? It yeah. was like a past tense, which yeah. was the eerie part. But so like that whole thing, like, okay, so Earth is like a game or whatever, right? Uh, I've had a similar message where 
uh, and this, I've had this message twice, but it's not like, it's not like I heard it from, you know, some outside force or whatever, whether it's, you know, whether, whether people want to believe that it's in your brain or you're actually hearing something that's beyond your body. Are you familiar with the, the song, uh, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream? So twice in my life, and one of them happened very recently, I heard the message, merrily, 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 life is but a dream. So it's like, it's, I heard that song upon waking up for some reason, mm-hmm. twice. And so when I heard it, I was able to process it like, holy shit, uh, row, row, row your boat. Your boat is your vessel, your body. The stream is life and time. So you're rowing your body and you're, through the stream called time. And then life is but a dream. So that kind of, when I heard that twice now, and you talk about what you heard and then having the fucking moments where I wake up or I'm walking through my day and all of a sudden everything looks like a dream for some reason, it kind of furthers my belief or at least my suspicion that this layer of reality that we're currently in right now, this physical three-dimensional one that we're occupying might be like more connected with that dream one, quote unquote dream that we go to when we're sleeping. I don't mm-hmm. exactly know how, but I do think that there's a little bit more uh, that they're both very malleable. You know, you can kind of bend it to your will to certain extents. Um, well, I've tested this out um, oh. because I test everything out. I have nothing to lose. Sometimes that's how I feel. And I feel like that's a good point of beginning. Mm-hmm. So um, I had a mentor in California who introduced me to the waking dream and she took me to a forest and she said basically uh, just describe the present moment as it happens without labels just as if whatever appears you know and slowly things began to get weird and then there was this wolf all of a sudden and it, it started to get funny so you know that was just a couple of times that she 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 did that with me and, and this then, was in this was in the three-dimensional waking yeah this was in my waking reality okay so that was when and i had already read like carlos castaneda books in the past where they basically enter dream portals in waking reality Mm. a lot of the 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 teachings are about dreaming as a seer as a sorcerer you know so it's like a waking reality thing not just the dream thing there's not really much difference in those teachings so I um, decided to do that one day in the subway, breaking down the story. Instead of like saying I am in a subway, I, I, I start to really describe things without their labels. So instead of um, the floor, it was the um, platform in which I step into to arrive to a certain vehicle, which was the train. So you, you describe things like that, not, okay. not, with, not with the name train, but long elongated vehicle and things like that like a story almost yeah and then i decided to do something uh different okay and i decided to tell the story to continue the story while i was waiting on the platform as if i had already um gotten to the point of creating it like in a lucid dream Mm. so i said when the doors open so this hasn't happened yet i will see and i was i said the most ridiculous thing like like a bunch of teenagers with colorful clothes and mohawks, colorful mm-hmm. mohawks with bicycles. And of course the doors opened of the subway, nothing happened. There were no teenagers. Ah. With mohawks. 
Okay. And I, I was very upset. But when I got out of that train to take the connecting train, mm-hmm. the door opened to teenagers with mohawks and bicycles. Oh, wow. And that's when I knew that there was a delay in creation. But huh. I believe in lucid dreaming awake. Yeah, basically, that's, that's, it just takes a lot of, like, that was a very rare case that I clicked in like that. Right. Almost like in a magical state. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that every so often, but it, it's something that I wish I would do more. Yeah, it's so weird, man. Like that that's awesome. I'm glad you got to experience that. And I one thousand percent believe you. Um I could have given up and just been like, eh. Yeah. But, but then I it happened. To, I decided to continue and that's when I realized um you know, people that talk about manifestation, that's how they do it. You know, they like, I now have a house. And then, you know, they say these affirmations, they believe them, and then they have the house. So who knows what workings of the universe occur there? Right. It's, How is it's, that difference from lucid dreaming? It's not. Right. There's, there's definitely much more going on than we can really put our finger on. It's, there's much more mystery than, than we really have any true understanding of. And that's kind of why I want the fucking, these aliens to come down here, man. I want them to, I want to know what stuff they know, you know? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's that's a whole other topic that we can get into if you want. Oh but, God! Oh, of course. Um, I'm always down to talk aliens. Sweet. So, lucid dreaming slash lucid living. How how long have you actually? When did you find out about lucid dreaming? Is it something that you just kind of you didn't have a term for it, but it was something that you discovered you could do when you were young, like you were a kid and you just were able to have full control of your dreams, or was it something that you didn't? know anything about and you just had normal dreams and then figured it out later in life what was your story my journey began as an astral traveler okay um i hated it projection i hated it hated hated um it was scary it was weird i i felt out of control i tried to read as much as possible about on it my dad tried to help me by bringing people to talk to me about it it was like you know imagine your father and your kid is claiming strange things about out of body Mm-hmm. Um, but you're not like going to dismiss her. You're, you feel like she seems serious. You know, she's not dumb because I right. wasn't, I was very gifted and smart as a child. So, um, well, that didn't translate afterwards. <laughs> ah, debatable. <laughs> I lost that. Debatable. But, um, he was definitely curious. So he would, um, try to hold on. I'm choking. <coughs> you were talking about, uh, testing. Yeah. like to test stuff uh, through your life. You're testing my patience right now with your coughing. <laughs> so um, astral travel involves a lot of skill to master. Mm-hmm. And during that testing area, I lucid dreaming was the product of it. My first guest, AJ, I think was the AJ, AKA alien Jamie. She was the, the first one that I think told me that she started off with astral projection also. And then kind of just stumbled into lucid dreaming. But she, she on the other hand, preferred and still prefers up to this point, I would say, astral projecting over lucid dreaming. So in, for you, what was the step in terms of like, okay, you're doing this thing called astral projection all the time. You don't feel, like really feel like you have any control over yourself when you're doing it or of it in general. How did you then find lucid dreaming? Like, uh, and how could you tell that it was different? Um, I could tell that it was different because I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but it was just like um, 
one day I'm going to Mexico all the time and then suddenly I find myself in you know Iraq I don't know it was just like it's a different country it's almost like a different world I would call it like a if I was an alien earth and Mars I don't know people say they're the same and I know that in the end there's an underlying consciousness it does it is the same in a certain sense but I can't deny the differences the astral realm is almost like bluish um, there are certain things my commands don't work like in lucid dreams like if I were to say um, move backwards in a lucid dream I would probably move backwards you know or something in a in an astral projection something different happens like I would probably become I which it did happen I became like microscopic oh, <laughs> backwards I shrunk oh wow so, I mean that's one way of interpreting move backwards I guess you know I guess the interpretation of the land is different but it's probably connected this is one of the things and I know it's like all you know for it's semantics to some people and to some people it's really like fucking no they're fucking different and this is why i'm just like a curious person because like for me i've i didn't know what lucid dreaming or astral projection was until fucking college i was 19 years old um i was taking a psychology course at a community college and the professor was talking about sigmund freud and how sigmund freud believed that dreams were for wish fulfillment and there was like this small little section in the book we were we were reading so if the if the if the book itself if the pages were like as big as your computer screen there was a tiny little corner of it that had Stephen LeBurge's book uh exploring the world of lucid dreaming and she was like she just asked she was like has anybody heard of lucid dreaming before I'm sure I probably shift the numbers of how many people were in the class but let's say that there was like there was like 150 people in the class okay out of those 150 people, maybe like 20 people raised their hand that knew what it was. So like a oh, small wow. percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That even knew what it was. And she, she was like, okay. So then she explained it to the rest of us because we were all fucking dumb chimpanzees who've never heard of it before, right? So she's like, it's essentially like being able to control your dreams and yada, yada, yada. And when she said that, I was like, you can fucking do that? That's a thing? Whoa. And immediately my brain starts going off because I'm so imaginative and stuff. And obviously... You know, me being a dude and me being, you know, who I am personally, the first idea in 19, the first idea for me was like sex, right? So having, being able to have sex with whoever. But the other idea that really <laughs> stuck with me and still sticks with me to this day, I don't know if you're familiar with it, Dragon Ball Z. Familiar. Yeah. <laughs> so doing those like, like having superpowers. Yeah, exactly. The Kamehameha. Yeah. So that was the other thing that came to my mind. I was like, you can fucking do that. So that idea like just stuck with me. You can do that in astral like, too. It's just different. Yeah. Um, different. I want to I talk about that also. So she goes and she's like, okay, so how many of you have actually done lucid dreaming before? So she asked how many of you were familiar with it. Maybe it was like 50 people. I don't, I don't remember. But the, the numbers progressively got smaller and smaller from how many people have heard of it, how many people have done it, how many people do it frequently. Right. So the people that did it frequently was like less than three. Wow. And then from that moment on, I went and I got LeBurge's book and I started reading about it and I started becoming aware of it. And that was in 2000 and 2008 is when I first like learned about it. But I didn't really start being a, a real practitioner of it until 2010 when I got clean from meth. Mm. Um, but that was even before my knowledge of 
astral projection ever came to the to the forefront which to this point i'm i don't think i've really had an experience with it the only experience that i've had would be having the and i think i told lana this one too on our episode where um i was in a lucid dream this was i believe this was right around the time fidel my dog was transitioning so he was getting close to the time where he was going to leave his body and i remember this lucid dream where i become lucid and there's these floating rocks in the sky um like these giant floating boulders essentially um and i ha- i have this technique for being able to traverse like far distances really quick that's very similar to uh what's his face scorpion from mortal Kombat. you know how mm-hmm. he shoots like those things out of his hand like the hooks kind of deal so i essentially like shoot these hooks out of my hand and it attaches to these floating rocks that are miles up in the sky and then all of a sudden i'm propelling towards these flying rocks in the sky and i'm going really really fast and i have this very lucid and aware thought as i'm flying towards these rocks that if i keep holding on i'm going to leave my body mm. and then in that moment i got i felt like a lot of fear and anxiety oh, yeah. and so i fucking Horrible. let go and then i woke up immediately right so yeah. that's the one instance where cuz my belief is is or my belief up to that point has been that i th- i'd thought that they were one and the same but then i had that moment and i was like but what was that what yeah. was that and then i talked to my first guest aj alien jamie who says that you know her experience of it is that she thought that lucid dreaming was boring in comparison <laughs> yeah in comparison her thing was that if i'm remembering correctly she thought it was boring and she thought that you could do more and with astral she said that you can do the same stuff but it's like cooler in astral projection for whatever it takes time though uh you could probably do something quicker in a lucid dream but it took me years to accomplish something in the for example people think it's glamorous but um for years i was stuck uh bouncing like a balloon in the ceiling and people only hear like my 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 experienced experiences um, now, of course, they sound amazing journeys and this and that and other planets and masters, blah, 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 but time travel. But um, I could honestly say the first few years were, were, were frustrating, boring, annoying, fearful. Um, I, even my first experience was terrible. It was, um, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what an astral projection was. Uh, my first first experience was different that was like somebody taking me out of my body and Mm -hmm. it kind of planted a seed fast forward and i started to have constant out-of-body experiences but they weren't like nice they were terrible i felt like a a ball of energy was traveling my whole body eventually it would like circle like a hurricane in my chest Mm -hmm. and then it would spit me out like a projectile puking (laughs) and while i screamed because what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. You know? And I would finally, when I was out there, it was peaceful. But um, I would cry. I'd be like, why me? Like, I don't want this. Like, right. the most terrible, most pain. It would hurt my body. It was painful. That, that was something that Jamie uh, had told me before, too, is that, like, there's a certain kind of, like, you're trying to remember i need to probably go back and re-listen to it but i remember her talking about how like your body is kind of exhausted after the experience like 
it was back then. Like I, 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 even like sleep paralysis, all of those things were terrible. Yeah. I think with consciousness and awareness and, um, what was my, my mission was greater than was, was enough to get my patience going. Like I don't just do it for fun. For me, it was like a part of my, uh, my story in, in existence as Jenny, as a being in this world. And I Your needed evolution. to find out what was that, like, what part of me is that? And uh, I know it happens to everyone, but they don't remember because right. I can see them floating around like unconscious people, you know? So, so, so that's interesting. Okay. So when you're astral, you can see other, like, you can see the other beings, like the other people that live on earth, but they're I would like, see, I would see some people that think they're dreaming. It's funny. That's fascinating. And so they would be like, it, you could see them with their dream around them, like a bubble almost. What? And I'm what? like, what? <laughs> what? And oh, I'm that's like, wow. I wish they knew they were astral projecting. So you can see, so when you're astral, you can see other people that are in the astral plane, but they're like, you can also see them with almost like a, so the way that I'm visualizing it is almost like, not quite like this, but if you picture like an astronaut where they have like the big old fucking thing over them. So yeah, it's like, it's like images around them Yeah, and so they're like what, interacting with their dream. And I'm just like, so wow. I, I would mess with when I was younger and had no morals, I right. guess I would, <laughs> I would enter their, their dream bubble and be like, hi, Whoa. and they would be like the next, the, this was when it started, Jenny, I had a dream about you. And I'm like, oh shit. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I, That's I, fascinating. I, I stopped doing that because I felt like it was like trespassing. Yeah. Like invasive kind of, but I mean, it makes sense. Like you're a kid and you're, you know, the whole cool thing about specifically lucid dreaming for me even up to this point to some extent has been like it's it's sort of like this playground that you get to do you get to be fucking whatever whoever and do whatever you know um and so i can only imagine like me as a kid discovering that sort of ability you know and then taking it like as you said and now i'm starting to kind of lean in that direction of taking it to the nth degree so multiplying however amazing just strictly lucid dreaming is and then adding like another layer on top of that with the astral stuff like fuck so okay that's fascinating i've never heard anybody describe something like that before um the one thing the one thing between astral traveling um people that i've also encountered that i've heard other people also say is that um some people look like they're drunk Mm. we call it astral drunk we don't know what that is, but they're like, it's like, it's like, like a real drunk. Right. So I don't know what that is. I'm not the only one that's seen this. Have you, have you ever personally experienced it yourself? Like, like when, even when you were younger, did you ever feel like you were drunk when you were there? Nope. No. Okay. I was going to say maybe it's because they're like new to the experience or something. And it's sort of like they're Mm, building a tolerance to it. That could be it. That could be it if you you know you might have just been like because there's certain people that like you yourself you sort of just stumbled into astral and then lucid dreaming as like a natural inherent ability of yourself so maybe you never had to build up that kind of tolerance for it it was just there and all you were building up was your well for a long time i couldn't i couldn't leave my room so when you i i went through that like bouncing on the ceiling like a balloon 
mm. um, crawling on the floor very slowly because I couldn't, I didn't know how to move in the astral. Interesting. It's not like a lucid dream where you're moving. I did not know how to move. It was like a completely new, it's like a learning to drive <clears throat> like I am doing right now. I'm very wobbly. I can't do my turns. I forget what's gas, what's stop, what's go. And it's reminding me of my first astral <laughs> I'm like, Jenny, one day you're going to be a pro at driving just yeah. like you sucked at astral. You sucked at all that, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm learning some of that uh, <clears throat> humility. Like you're learning some of that humility for driving at this point like you did with astral. <laughs> I'm learning some of that humility by just having like strong ankles at this point, you know, like I'm <laughs> for those that, you know, most of the people that are listening to this won't know I'm assuming, but yesterday I rolled my ankle really fucking badly while running. Uh, I wasn't wearing my minimalist shoes, my zero shoes. I was wearing normal new balance and I was on kind of uneven surface and fuck, I fucked wow. myself up. Um, but so I ordered, I did like a little bit of research and I ordered one of these like kind of wobble boards that I think will be really good for my balance. So just know that I'm with you in spirit as you're learning to better yourself as a driver, you know, as I'm crippled right now. Um, oh, well, I hope yeah. you feel better soon. I will, you know, it, it's a setback, but ultimately, like you said. Uh, but yeah, dri driving a car, it was like driving my bot, my astral body. I, I would make it, I make a turn and I make it too wide. I really, really don't know how to make the wheel go back. I freak out. Um, it's it's exactly the same. I would be like, I would try to go, but instead I would bounce, you know. Mm -hmm. I would try to get back in my body and I couldn't. It's just Yeah, there's, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that there's uh, a sort Years, of years and years and years. I'm not talking about like, people need to understand this is like, I, it could have been a decade of this. Oh, wow. You know? Damn. <clears throat> yeah, that's kind of sort of uh, uh, another way of comparing it for certain people is when you're lucid the f when you are trying to figure out how to fly there's like a lot of different techniques that people try to figure out in terms of like okay should i flap my arms like a bird should i fucking like you know try to swim through the air should i try to superman you know i developed my own technique that i've found really really useful that i call the gas pedal technique so gp gpt so you're learning to drive right now so you're figuring out the whole balance between brake and and gas right so for me right foot is about <clears throat> it's about elevation left foot is speed so if i press my right foot down i'll go up if i lift my right foot up i'll go back down and the same with like the speed so if i press my left foot down i'll go really fast if i lift it up i'll start slowing down yeah, so I, I figured out that technique. And That's interesting. Little, yeah, um, so kind of. Yeah, also, along. also, it's um like how how strongly do I step on the pedal? Because I used right. to say um I I would think that I'm gonna move forward, and dude, I would move across the earth. Right. In a millisecond, and I was right. like, I just kind of wanted to go outside. Like I didn't know <laughs> I didn't want to end up in Alaska, you know. So it's it's it was scary like that. Like I, I it was like a wild. I was in the wild. Right. I didn't know I was given this new body and I didn't know how to use it. And mm -hmm. that's was that's just, that is that's why I say it's it's different than lucid dreaming. You can't feel that out of control in a lucid dream. And if you do, it's like minimal. Maybe it's sort of like the same kind of 
learning curve as it was for like lucid dreaming. So like maybe it's almost like starting from scratch again, you know, like starting. So you become like, obviously your experience was different because you started with astral and then went to lucid dreaming, but I've heard other people. Um, and I, you know, obviously I think this will be my sort of journey once I actually get to the point of being able to consciously do this shit, you know, as opposed to randomly happening as it's been up to this point. But I kind of feel like I've built all this time and built up all these abilities and knowledge and awareness of how to do things while lucid. And I've gained a lot of really life changing and spiritual experiences that have changed me forever. But it took like a long time to be able to figure out how to do certain things like when I want to, you know, so if I want to go somewhere, obviously, I know how to do it. If I want to fly, obviously, I know how to do it. If I want to create energy, I know how to do it. If I want to create elements, I know how to do it, yada, yada, yada. But it took like a learning curve and a long period of time to be able to figure that out with trial and error over and over again, you know, maybe it's sort of like the same type of deal in that because it's more because I've heard I've heard. I've heard you say this. I heard Lana say this and I've heard Jamie say this, that it feels more like to me, lucid dreaming feels more real than real. But I've also heard people say that astral projection feels that same way, but almost more intensely. So maybe it's like kind of relearn. Do you get what I'm saying? So like maybe it's well, kind the, of- the, the difference about like in, in a lucid dream, you feel like it's real, but you're still aware that it's a lucid dream. Yeah. And that you're okay sort of thing in an astral it kind of feels like you're with your body right and you're gonna do something to it if you don't be careful it's a gosh it's it's very difficult to explain but yeah like there are there's the 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 fear factor can definitely go higher because your awareness is almost with your with your waking awareness in a more hyper state or something like that. So like the ego is very much attached when you're in astral, like it's there with you. Yeah. Like, like it it feels like you're flying in the air with your body. So it's scary versus in a lucid dream. You're like, yay, I'm flying in an astral. It's more like, Oh shit, I'm flying. You know, it's like, I don't know. (laughs) I want to experience it. I really want to experience it because it's something like I can talk about lucid dreaming all day and I can talk about astral projection, but like, I can't, I don't have that same sort of knowledge that I feel like I could bring people at this point. My theory is that everybody astral projects. They just don't remember it. I could see that too. Yeah. So I guess uh, you could probably try to connect to your astral self. So what's your, what's, this is where things get a little confusing Mm -hmm. for me personally, because uh, in my journey, when I first was really trying to learn how to astral project, there was like this kind of overlapping information on how to astral project and how to wake induce lucid dream. Um, the closest I ever got, I think, to having a wild or an AP was when I was living by myself still. Uh, I remember we talked about this in the in the lucid hive yesterday about like what positions do you fall asleep in so i'm adamantly a stomach sleeper because of the stuff that i talked about um and so when i was first trying to learn how to ap and specifically my intention was trying to ap in this moment um i was falling asleep i was laying on my stomach and i was still consciously staying awake right 
so it wasn't that I woke up, it wasn't a wake back to bed type of technique. It was me trying to literally go to sleep, but stay awake in the process. And after a while, I could start, I started to feel my body like, like vibrate. So there was like this tingling sensation. And then all of a sudden there was like this intense vibrating sensation. And it felt like the bed was actually vibrating in and of itself. And I could feel myself being both pressed into the mattress, like pressed in, but at the same time, I could feel myself like being like pulled up somehow. And that was the closest I ever got. Like, I think I, I think I lost it in that moment, but that was the closest I'd ever felt to truly feeling like something weird was fucking happening. But astral projecting through the mattress happens too, like down, downwards. I've gotten imagine. stuck in the. I would gotten. I've gotten stuck in the floor so many times. Oh shit! Like half. <laughs> and everything is weird. Nothing looks like it should. It's very confusing because as much as I did a video on is it uh, astral projection versus lucid dreaming, where I do acknowledge that you know consciousness is the underlying energy behind yeah. everything. Yeah. But that I couldn't deny that I felt different things. Not only that, but um, I've been seen in the astral. <clears throat> now that's for me was like proof that it's more ghosty, you know, than a lucid dream, which is more like inner mm -hmm. astral is more outer um, because I had a visitor once it's my ex brother-in-law. He was back when I was with my ex-husband, he was in the living room and we were in the bedroom and my usual time to project was in the morning. So I projected through the door and I was kind of like hanging out in the, the ceiling or whatever and he opened his eyes i guess because he was in the hypnopompic stage he was able to see me because he freaked the fuck out and he yelled i shot back into my body i came out and he was like i just saw you there up in that corner and i was like oh cool like whoa like uh that for me was it was the second time <laughs> my first one was my sister was pregnant she was falling asleep no she was breastfeeding just no she was pregnant she was falling asleep in the chair and I, I was astral projecting and I went up to her and I said to myself, Oh, Kathy, you should go to bed. And she kind of like opened her eyes kind of like half asleep. And she said, yeah, yeah, I should. And she got up and went to bed hmm. and I was like, Oh, she heard me. Like, uh, so those two moments made me believe that there's something about astral that there's something different that people can see. Like people can't see you lucid dreaming, you know? out in the street but right a person in the right in between state can perceive a uh, astral projecting experience that makes sense like that and that that very maybe that was like uh you know when you're talking about hearing that voice that said that earth was a game maybe that was some sort of the same maybe that was like kind of the same philosophy is that someone or something was there with you in that moment and you were in that in-between state so you were able to perceive the message that they were relaying to you about that what you had said about the uh like you can leave your body while going through the mattress also i can kind of understand that because at the end of the day like where we are right now is three-dimensional right so there's laws there's physics there's gravity and everything but that place lucid or astral those places are like beyond the rules of what we encounter in the physical world. So like there really is no up or down there, right? 
like you can just go fucking it's all just directions and where your intention is going so like except that sometimes maybe it's perception but you can't go through the wall i'm very confused about some of these states because it's maybe my own perception we had a difficult time back in the day but it was difficult for me to go through walls obviously i need to have the experiences myself to truly like be able to experiment with it but my my rationale for what i'm perceiving from that story is like it's kind of like when you're first learning how to lucid it's sort of the same deal in that like okay you're so used to i'm touching my wall right now you're so used to having objects stop you from going through it that it's kind of like once you become once you find yourself in these other states of consciousness it's hard to let go of that of the perceived nature of what you're supposed to be experiencing. So maybe in those moments, it's kind of like you're re-remembering what the rules are supposed to be and you're having trouble letting go. And so that's what sort of prevents you from just allowing yourself to go through it. Mm -hmm. It's scary because I thought I would get stuck in the, and that's what ended up happening. Eventually I would get stuck (laughs) mid, mid wall, mid ceiling, mid, mid um, floor. Right. So, okay. So for you, what's your, what's your process in, um, how do you enter astral projection? Like what's your process? So like, what, what, yeah. Like what things do you experience in the buildup before you actually, um, experience it? Well, it's changed. So back in the day it was, um, the vibrations and then, um, kind of like a buzz, but it all began horribly. Like I said, first it was the hurricane and the puking me out of my body. And then that evolved into vibrations and kind of like buzzing out, um, or just kind of falling into the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that evolved to sleep paralysis, astral projections. So instead of having a sleep paralysis, I would just exit my body and, Um, Then I experimented with um, switching from a lucid dream to an astral projection. And that was interesting. I did that for a while. So what was that experience like? Well, I I was wondering, like, how do I trigger my astral body? Right. So I would like jump through windows, jump off cliffs. And at some point, my body and my bed would vibrate and buzz me out. So So you could feel it while you were still. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I felt like. (laughs) <laughs> I've uh I'm just remembering this right now but I've had moments where I was in like a lucid state and like I moved my arm around in the lucid and all of a sudden I could feel myself actually like hitting like uh like my uh bedside table or something like my body actually hit the bedside table or some shit like that I don't know it's weird okay c- continue so your processes yeah so that was for a while and um now I kind of am in that place where I don't, I can't call something an astral projection anymore, nor a lucid dream. I haven't known what to call it, soul journeys. Um, it's way more shamanic. I don't even like that word, but it's like, it's now just feels like a bunch of soul journeys. Mm. And I can't really define the area I am in anymore. It's, it's almost like beyond an overlap, something else has happened. I don't know if it's with the evolution of all the, just like everything has evolved. I just feel like my experiences evolved to this point where I can't label it one or the other. I try to sometimes I'll be like, Oh, I had a lucid dream, but inside my head, I'm like, no, felt different. I was deeper. Yeah. You know, I just don't know how else to describe it. 
OB, LD. I just feel like LDOB are just like uh, the beginnings of something else. Yeah. I, I had a, is at the end of the day, all that really matters is that it's a conscious experience, right? Your consciousness is experiencing these things. That's the one underlying continuity with all of that. I recently had, I would, I would describe it as a lucid dream where I was in like a classroom setting and there was this being, I can't remember what they looked like, but they, it was a humanoid being. And they told me that one, they said that my life was a classroom. That was their wording was that your life is a classroom. But my interpretation is that, I don't know if you can hear that car going off. So I apologize to everyone if you can. Um, my interpretation was that you're meant to learn something in this life. And the being also told me that they've been with me from the very beginning, like always right next to me and that they have been with me. Like if I wanted to go up, if I wanted to go down, you know, wherever I wanted to go, they were always with me. And I remember asking them, um, I remember asking them something about love. Like is our, is our, are we meant to learn how to love? And they said, yeah, but at some point you won't need it anymore or something like that. Wow. Yeah. Like at some point you'll get, reach a place where you won't even need to love or something I, like something weird like that. But when they said the life is a classroom and that they've been with me for the up and the down and wherever I wanted to go, that kind of also adds to my belief that like, okay, so I think there's like layers and levels of consciousness in that whatever we're experiencing here, that this isn't all there is. And that when it's over, this won't be the end of it. Like there is some sort of continuation that goes on afterwards. Well, I had no choice but to view the astral world and the dream world and all the in-between as intelligence. Yeah. As a being, as something that's alive and interacting, dialoguing with me. I have a relationship with it. So I can't just be like, a tourist where I'm like, Oh, I'm here and this is my land. And it, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like a very, uh, an interaction with some higher part of my consciousness or consciousness itself or godly, whatever yeah. you want to call it for me. It's a very sacred experience. So my naturally, my experiences have evolved in this way. Also, I've had uh, spirit guides for a long time that have taught me things that, whether it's my own higher consciousness teaching me have been things that I wouldn't have learned unless something had, inter you know, taught me that. In the right. Like right. how to, how to clear a room from negativity and energy. And I didn't want to do it, but they were very insistent. Like you got to learn how to do this. You got to learn to, you know, so I didn't have YouTube. I'm an old person. You're not old. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Hey, I, I didn't know what talking like you got fucking head, a head full of gray time. hairs and fucking skin that's sagging down to the floor. Come on, man. That's not what I say. <laughs> I was born in 1975. Okay. So I had no cell phones until I was 23, maybe. No internet until I was 23. So right. no YouTube. Yeah. You know, Different I wanted world. something that wasn't. Yeah. So I. You had to go to the library to learn shit. Or. I would go to my inner realms. Right. I, that's where I would ask my questions to my own consciousness or to God or to spirit guides or whatever. I guess I, I learned from myself a lot of things. And so I didn't read purposely. I didn't read lucid dream books. 
I just learned about the wild, dialed, mild, like now. Oh, <laughs> like really? In my late thirties. Oh wow! I remember. I remember. This is funny. I told Reese this. Reese Jones, who started the Lucid Hive. Right. Um, that when YouTube came out, I remember seeing this kid talking about lucid dreams, but I never would stop to hear one because I wasn't interested. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be the only navigating source of my experiences. I didn't want anything influencing it. I was very right. like a purist about that. <laughs> so that was, so I was really against techniques for a long time. Like how to, I'm like, no, don't, I'm not going to tell you how to, I'm going to, I'm going to um, tell you how to how like, it's about the mentality, not even about like how to, it's like first believe in the dream, you know, believe in that magic. Like for me, it's not scientific at all. And then maybe it's a bad thing. I don't know. You know, but there's only, there's only so much that I feel like that science can really explain. Like science can explain a shit ton of things in our universe, but in order for science to explain something like this, like there would need to be, there would need to be a whole bunch of people in a laboratory who are all aiming for the same goal of trying to figure out what this thing is with yeah. the intention of like, okay, we're going to become lucid or we're going to AP and we're going to try to influence certain things. One of the coolest things that, that I found, um, well, I didn't actually find it. Rachel from the hive found it and she shared it was when the CIA declassified astral projection and so i went and i read some of those things and essentially what had happened was like in the 60s the the cia had had certain people that claimed that they could do this and so they had them do remote viewing and try to find certain things because obviously you know the u.s has been is like the major superpower in the planet and they have a lot of enemies and they have a lot at stake in trying to maintain their dominance over everybody like their military superiority so they would use these individuals to try to find certain things from people they were uh, at odds with. So countries that they were enemies with. So I, I don't remember the specific at this time. I want to say it might've been the Soviet Union, but uh, it was probably the Soviet Union, how they think about it. Um, so they use these guys to astral project essentially to find these bases. Like they want, we want you to try to find these bases and everything. Mm. <laughs> and so they're like, okay. So they go and they astral project and they go fucking to the area that they're supposed to. And they find these bases and they detail it out like in vivid, vivid detail. And then it was later corroborated that there is fucking these bases here and, and all this sort of thing. And there were dozens of dozens of, you know, similar accounts of the, and obviously there was a lot that was like block, blacked out. You know, because there's certain things that mm-hmm. they'll declassify the overall thing, but they're not going to declassify everything. Well, you don't have to get out of your body. Like I said, um, it can be like a mental projection. Um, it can, it, like the, the, the border between that and psychic abilities is strange. When I studied hypnotherapy, there was a psychic development class. <clears throat> and I felt uh, strange about that because, yeah, I've had intuition, but it's not something I have outwardly, you know shared in class in that class and we had to stand in front of a stranger and say whatever comes to our mind and I remember I stood in front of this woman and I was like um she's gonna think I'm crazy but I'm seeing a gold heart that's jumping up and down like a puppy and I said I'm not gonna say that doesn't that sound dumb Patrick it sounds dumb you know, like I've, that's I've, what I got a gold heart a golden heart I said a golden heart jumping up and down like a happy puppy and 
I, was, I, I said, you know what? I'm not going to learn unless I say it. So I'm just going to say it. So I told right. her, I see a golden heart is jumping up and down like a puppy. And <laughs> I felt so embarrassed. And she started crying. Oh, shit. And I was like, did I say something weird? Like, I don't know what, what I guess she, she it triggered something in her. But she, she just said, a week ago, I lost my golden retriever. Mm-hmm. And it, he was, I used to call him my heart. Mm. and i and you know it kind of like in a symbolic way a golden heart jumping up and down like a puppy i mean so it's like the messages are not always this is about remote viewing they're not always so literal you get i believe more in the symbolic interpretation of things than the literal i think that's why some things seem classified because we're missing the symbolic thing Mm. Not everything is written down like we think. Like there's a lot of, I've had a lot of dreams with Thoth uh, from ancient Egypt teaching me how not to interpret and read the way we're taught. You know, a word, word, word makes a sentence, but rather how all the whole space is saying something and it's coming from different angles and directions and dimensions and and so for me, that's, that's how I try to read stuff. Like between the lines, like you might be telling me blah, 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 blah. And I'm trying to like figure out what that energy is telling me or what's between your words. And, you know, that's just how I perceive things. But I feel like um, that's, that's part of my non-scientific. But it's not that it's not science. It's just a different language. And I think that language is missing from some of these voyages maybe. And obviously, the more people that are able to experience this, especially people that come from like a very scientific mind, I think, honestly, I think that would be a huge uh, bridge in the gap of what we know with this space is getting people that are of the scientific ilk, like really fucking I'm about science and fucking if they experience these types of things. Like that's a reality shifter. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like that, I feel that's like one I, the- I, I had a dream. I, I, my, one of my dreams was to contact a physics, physics team and tell them all my experiences and how, how is it that I experience these things? Like uh, you saying time travel and dimensional thing won't happen for hundreds of thousands of years. I'm telling you it happens now. So tell me how, in what scenario and through dream and astral, is this possible? Like, I love, I would love to have a conversation with um, scientists and physics. And all yeah. And that, like, and this sort of stuff, man, is because, you know, I me. Mean, I'm, I'm a huge, I'm, I'm a huge nerd when it comes to consciousness, both in humans and then in, in the other beings that are on this planet, like dogs and the great apes, elephants. I, I, think, <laughs> consci- I think consciousness is not exclusive to us. No. And I'm but... very convinced that what we experience in while we're asleep i'm a thousand percent convinced that the other beings on this planet also experience them they just aren't able to obviously manipulate and control our physical world in the same way that we can so we as a species overall as a whole sort of discount and discredit whatever they might be experiencing whatever they might be internalizing and you know in their world but because of how big of a fan of consciousness in general I am and all the experiences that I've had with both with with psychedelics which we can talk about and also with the things that I've experienced in the lucid realm from hearing numerous different voices that some of them sound like 
like what I would interpret the voice of God to sound like voices that legitimately sound like a thousand people all talking in unison at the same time to voices that sound like bigger versions of myself to voices that sound straight up just like me to hearing voices that aren't me at all and now that I think about this now that I'm talking to you specifically about this and I'm remembering these things I'm wondering because of what you said with the with your astral experience and seeing people and like their little dream bubbles I'm wondering if, if some of those experiences that I had was legitimately just somebody coming up to my little dream bubble and just like talking into it. And that's the voice, some of the Probably. voices that I've heard. Probably yeah. your guides or God source. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I've had uh, astral projections where I don't even know if they're astral projections because I can see my, I'm walking around. I can see myself from above and I can see another awareness seeing that seeing that hmm. so it's kind of like a triple body thing and i never understood what to call that either so it's even within what is an astral i think that thing where you think just one thing comes out is not correct i feel like we are many things but what we need to 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 learn how to do is how to bridge that into our waking awareness yeah. So I think if you master your bridging and waking awareness, expand that, I think there won't be a limit to what you can explore without having to, you know, leave and, you know, do yeah. all these things. And I, I definitely think that there is more to learn to be able to do that. Because I remember when I was, you know, when I was younger and when I was first experiencing these voices, it was this book that I'd read uh called fucking it was called fucking that was the book <laughs> no uh, <laughs> it was like something it was like the real or something it was by this dude named Dwayne Hepner who was the neighbor of my former sponsor in Narcotics Anonymous and so I was talking to my sponsor about lucid dreaming and all the experiences that I'd had and how fucking life-changing it was and how to me at that point it was the most important thing and to who made me what now it's Fidel for sure but lucid dreaming in this topic is like the second thing for sure. Um, but he was telling me about this neighbor who's this author who fucking has these people come to his house and they all have like this fucking kind of like dream party essentially where they all just go to sleep and they all fucking do what they do lucidly or astrally or whatever. And he was telling me that this dude wrote these books. So I was checking out these books and in the books, he was talking about, like, there's different realms, like different levels. Like, I don't remember the specifics because part of me started to not really believe what he was saying because his, you know, <clears throat> one, I was fearful of some of the things he was saying. And two, I was not really impressed with the grammar because there was a lot of bad grammar and a lot of stuff <laughs> that I was just like, how the fuck is something like, how was this even published? If this is like this, if I'm noticing all these little things, but anyway, so. In the process of in the process of learning about the different uh, levels that he was talking about or the realms, I tried to actually experience some of them myself. So I would become lucid and I would ask the dream or I'd ask the lucid realm, I want to experience the second realm or whatever. And so I would hear the voices respond back to me. And some of them, like th this is the one that sounded more like a larger version of myself as opposed to the one that sounded like what I interpreted it as God. It said to me, my master says, you're not ready. And so when I heard that, I was like, 
And this was the first time I heard this voice. So I was expecting the one that sounded like a thousand voices to respond back to me. And I hear this one that sounds like a much larger version of myself blended with like something else. And it says, my master says you're not ready. And when I heard that, I was like, what the fuck? What was that voice? Wait, what do you mean I'm not ready? I want to go now. You know? So it's like, oh, yeah. this was years ago. So. I feel like that. Um, uh, <clears throat> there's parts of you that's doing things that your awareness right now wishes it could do. Yeah. But um, he like, for example, right. I have a lot of, I've, I've had a, my journey in lucid dreaming and astral travel has got to do with, I go to a lot of schools in these places. Um, they're like universities. They've been islands. I learn things. They teach me things. It's been very scholastic. Mm -hmm. um, but in some schools, I can only remember going into them, but I don't remember what I learn in them. Mm. And um, with time, I realized it's because it's for the future. It's not for me right now, or it's got to do with me and my journey as a higher soul. It's, it's got nothing to do with Jenny on earth. It might in really interrupt probably my flow. So I've learned to not be like um, upset about that, but rather yeah. understand that it we will trickle. A lot of things, see, our, our, our unconscious is there for a good reason. It brings you what you need when you need it. And you don't know where it comes from. You think right. it's an epiphany or, uh, you know, a random experience, but I don't believe in that. I believe that a lot of these things are stored there or, they're, they can be transferred. It's, there's this whole like transfer of information that happens on levels that are not like blah, 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 or yeah. like images even, but the rather ether. like energy. Yeah. yeah. And that the fact that you already like feel these things or have like theories is, is already to me like a big um, like arrow showing you that that's what it is like you probably know in your soul something but you don't you haven't seen it so to speak so right um i don't discount knowledge of feeling it's like um a lot of people ask me like when you're how do you know it's your spirit guide you know and i'm like because i already know what that feels like yeah um it's a feeling. I can't explain it. It's not a hallucination. Also, um, there's something like divine. It's not just like a normal feeling. It's it's like a real. It's like a feeling where my heart blasts open and yeah. I can't have bad thoughts. It's just like a heightened state. Yeah. You know. The most um, the most that I've been able to feel that sort of thing that you're describing in the physical world was literally the, the moment I saw and made eye contact with Fidel. There was, that, there was that kind of feeling where there was like just this intense, overwhelming feeling of, I know this being, like, and I'm supposed to help this being. And the first moment that I saw him, I was still, my ego self was still working through some things of, of my own uh, ignorance and uh, discrimination of the breed itself of pit bulls. And so the first time that I saw Fidel here, I didn't, intera I didn't interact with him. I like walked, but he was making eye contact with me the whole time following me as I walked away. And the moment that I broke away from him, I had this voice in my head that was just screaming at me saying like, 
the next time you see him, you fucking go to him. You fucking go to him. You go back to him. And I just felt this fucking force from like the universe that just kept pulling me to this dog that I just met. And I've said this a few times on the podcast, uh, but essentially after he passed, so last year he passed on August 2nd of 2019 in november i had a a weed edible experience um which i've had several before but this this was the first time that i had had this kind of fucking edible experience right like i've had plenty of psychedelic experience i've done salvia i've done dmt i've done shrooms i've done lsd um and i've done edibles but this is the first time that i had what i would call a more transcendental edible experience in Mm -hmm. that I take way more than I probably should have, you know, <laughs> uh, I, like if the recommended dosha, I took these like chocolate bars, these tiny little chocolate squares that each of them, the serving size is 10 milligrams. So it's this chocolate bar that has nine squares in it and one square is a serving size. So I took a whole one oh. <laughs> and then I took a whole half of another one and I was about to do the second half of that other one when this voice popped in my head as it's up to my tongue saying, stop right now. Oh, wow. Like, Oh, okay. I'm done. (laughs) So, so, um, and then the trip happens and this is when I was still really in the beginning stages of the whole, you know, like Reese, the semen retention, the not watching. Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally. So in October I started, uh, stop. I stopped smoking weed last October in 2019 because I felt like after Fidel left, I was just starting to binge and just starting to really abuse the plant. And I wasn't really utilizing it the way that I felt I should have been. I felt like I was using it as an escape rather than yeah. as a means of enhancing. And so I started Sober October where I just stopped everything, hmm. which isn't the first time. Like I'm very familiar with being sober and 99% of my days I am sober. Um, but in this period, I was like, okay, I'm resetting everything. And then that November time hit. And, um, and by mid October, I decided that I wanted to, that the sober part was easy. Like I was like, okay, I got this figured out. I need another challenge to keep me going and keep my chimpanzee self engaged. Right. <laughs> so that's when I decided like, okay, I really want to experiment with not watching porn with giving that up with, with retaining and all that type of stuff. So fast forward to this November thing where I'm on these edibles and I start, it starts off with when I close my eye, like obviously I'm starting to get like the body highs and everything. And I'm, I'm fucking, I'm on, I'm literally on all fours like a dog. Okay. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm on all fours like a dog. And when I close my eyes, I see this orb of light in front of me. And the message that I got was that it was Fidel hmm. and that it was Fidel because he was the light of my life. And I started asking questions and in my mind's eye, I'm seeing this orb and it starts like going up and down for, for yes and left and right for no. But Mm -hmm. I'm also getting this sort of sense of Fidel moving his head and doing that as that's also happening, which was very strange. And so essentially like the message it was saying to me, apart from him, from it being Fidel in the light of my life was that it was t- telling me that the, the giving up porn and everything was going to be like a superpower for me and that I needed to do it. And that <clears throat> one of the things that it also said, so this is going back to that 
what you were saying about like this just intense feeling and knowing that you can't really explain and how I felt that with Fidel the first time I saw him. I had always been of the belief that he was my soulmate from that moment. But what it ended up happening is I asked, was, is Fidel my soulmate? And I saw the light go left and right for no. And then I saw him like shaking his head no. And then this message came to me that said twin flame. (gasps) And so at that time, I didn't know what a twin flame was. I'd heard the phrase once before, but the way that I consciously remembered it was that it was lower than a soulmate. And that I was, and I was like, I could feel myself resisting that. I was like, no, I don't want him to be a twin flame. I want him to be my soulmate. He's my soulmate. So fast forward, I fucking pass out. Like my body, I I literally just pass out (laughs) on the floor in my my room, everything. I wake up the next morning and I Google twin flame versus soulmate. Right. And the interpretation of what the Google webs said is that twin flame is essentially your other half. Like it's the other half of your soul. Well, it's a part of your soul, like not separate. Yeah. Yeah. And that it, its interpretation is essentially how I interpret soulmate. Oh, right. All that. I was like, fuck. Yeah, no, he is my twin flame. Like that, Mm -hmm. that, that transcendental knowing of something that you can't explain going back to what you had said before. It's like, there's only so much that science can really get a grasp on until fucking these people in that community or of that kind of mindset and analytical scientific type of shit experience it for themselves mm-hmm. and then have that dialogue within themselves of what the fuck was that mm-hmm. how is that possible you know what's going on there yeah, and that goes definitely. back to the whole thing of me in the consciousness thing i want to know what these what these aliens know you know like the government has been talking more and more about them lately i think for obvious reasons i think at some point in the next maybe few months maybe year maybe in the next few years who knows but i think so this is so you're gonna you're gonna dig this i am um, i've been training for alien contact for a long time because i'm afraid of it oh are you yeah i love it but um it's kind of like an astral projection the moment that i actually find myself face to face or near a craft I freak out. Okay. Um, even though I want it, it's just the same as it's an unknown thing. I don't know what it is or why my reaction is this way. It's the ego. <clears throat> so I decided to train myself as anybody would like when you fear something and you lose a dream to, to, to overcome that fear. Right. And astral projection, whatever. So finally, I had my moment of, what do you call it? Uh, moment victory. of clarity. Victory, uh, where there was going to be an alien coming down into Earth, and I was waiting. And when they finally landed, the alien came into the room, and I was very surprised that it was humanoid. But then it made sense. They're not going to send a gray, weird-looking alien. They're going to send somebody that we can relate to okay so So it looked like a it looked like a human a humanoid okay but enough that it's relatable okay but they still like move different and things like that but i was remembering (laughs) it's like weird floating thing okay and i remember thinking um they were saying that they were recruiting humans to 
uh, work for them. A nine to five with aliens. He's like, you would, you would, he's, she, she was saying you will get paid. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not something that we're going to take your time out. Like you will, we will adapt to your world, what you need. And I remember thinking, of course, it doesn't have to be so fucking crazy. You know, I can, if I was a higher intelligence alien, I would, and I had to go into a different planet. I don't want to spook them. Right. You know, I want to do it in a way where they, they, they don't have to alter their lifestyle. But I did feel a little bit like I have children. I can't take a job, a dream job like this. Because I was afraid that I would have to go to another planet. But she kind of looked at me like, you won't have to do any of that. Like, it's fine. And if you don't want to work for us, it's fine too. Like, it's, it's your choice. Um, but that was my first like triumphant interaction without getting spooked. I mean, I've had alien dreams before, but I mean like lucid, you know what I mean? Like where, where I'm completely aware and it's, it, it could have been scary, but it shifted. So I felt a big shift inside. Hmm. in regards to aliens um plus had a lot of astral alien experiences so and they're not like another one not like people think with the gray heads it was actually a luminous it was a as a one-person craft that the metal turned into transparent and inside was a luminous being with you could see the black eyes but it was like light you hmm. know pure light i don't remember thinking uh, why do I love this alien? Like I felt <laughs> like I loved the alien, like you would love your son, mother, father. Mm. And the alien put his hands on my wind on the window, and on his window. And I was putting my hands on the window, the balcony window. And I was like so sad that it had to go, but I was so happy that it um, came because I love. I felt love. And um, when I was pregnant a second time, I, my guides told me I had to go get the baby, the baby's soul. And I had to go to a different planet. It was like a whole alien thing. And I remember thinking, I think that alien was my baby's soul because I loved, wow. once he was looking at me and I could see those like black eyes, kind of like he did a little shift. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like got startled, like, that was that alien. Like, I remember I turned to my husband. I was like, I think Iggy is that alien that I loved. And I think he was just kind of like choosing me. Like, I choose you. Wow. Kind of a thing, you know? And it happened right after, like, the pregnancy and everything. So I have a feeling Iggy is my little alien, <laughs> which sounds strange, right? Saying it out loud. That's fascinating, though. Mm -hmm. it's really but, I, I, but for me it's all about looking at things differently like um i don't think the media make does a good job at showing us what no. aliens really are and no. my dreams are showing me it could be a whole different thing yeah you know i think the the real and this is like one of my fundamental beliefs about humans and like i i, I say all the time my inner chimpanzee right which a lot of people laugh at, but like, I'm, I'm serious. When I didn't I even that. know that when I sent you the ape, I was just choosing a <laughs> funny image. It I was funny. No and you look, you look great in that photo still. So, you know, don't, yeah, I meant, I meant every word of what I said. Beautiful. <laughs> but yeah. So because homo sapiens in general, and I'm reading this book called sapiens, 
um, which kind of goes over the history of humans, right? So there's been several different iterations of humans from Homo erectus to, to Homo neanderthal to Homo sapien, mm-hmm. which I found out from reading this book that a lot of those things were here at the exact same time. I'd always assumed that they evolved one into another apart right, from right. the Neanderthal, but apparently it's like how in killer whales, there's different, there's different orcas in different parts of the ocean and they're actually different subspecies of the same thing. That was the exact same thing with all the different species of humans. We were all here at the same time just because of where we were located and the access to different foods and tools and resources, we evolved differently. If you don't believe in like the mushroom theory or if you don't believe in extraterrestrial influence or whatever, but that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I talk about the inner chimpanzee because we evolved from the great apes, right? And we still have so much of that DNA in us. And what I attribute a lot of our reactionary fear-based responses for me, I interpret that as the ego because the ego was put into you, into the human vessel as a means of surviving and not being eaten by jaguars and knowing right. that somebody is not trustworthy and that sort of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> we're still very much in tune. And like, this is another reason why I think fit and believe that Fidel was my twin flame because all the change that happened within me internally, as much good as recovery and lucid dreaming has done for me and my growth, it was all expedited exponentially because of Fidel. I could feel certain switches all of a sudden being flipped on because of him and everything in my brain. It was very bizarre. And I became much more aware of when my ego was influencing me versus when that my, my higher self was communicating with me. So I I call it left brain, right brain. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us are still very in tune with our ego, which is reactionary fear-based and everything. And so you're talking about the media and their portrayal of aliens. Yeah, and yeah. It stimulates, and you were talking about even earlier of fear of change and the unknown and everything. And that also goes with the ego because it's like there's danger and there can be danger in the unknown because there could be a fucking space jaguar, there could be a fucking whatever in there. But Perfect. I used I used to be fearless until I became a mother. Everything always comes down to but my kids, right? like everything that stops me is like, I don't want to be separated from my kids. Right. And I've said no to a lot of things that happened in these realms because of my kids. Um, and I feel like that dream put my soul at ease that it doesn't have to be like you're going to get plucked out of your world and you're going to have to get on a spaceship and leave and never come back and not see your it doesn't have to be like i guess in my and you don't know because like the unknown is the unknown so yeah um my dream work showed me that my dream i didn't take the job i was like "Mm, my kids i stayed in that weird my kids thing but when i woke up i realized you know what i should have just said yes and then told her what, how I would want to work with her, you know, like, um, so I was able to, to reflect and therefore if I am ever in that position, I now have a, a, a voice to mm-hmm. say that and right. not to just say no, because, you know, I'm afraid, but rather my husband teaches me to speak up a lot because, um, like if the waiter brings my food cold, I'm afraid to say my food's cold. Right. 
you know, and he's always like, Jenny, you gotta say your food is cold. Like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta Speak voice up for it. yourself. Yeah, like not just in that situation, but in general. Like uh, I sit in a table. There's breeze. There's sun. Whatever. He's like, let's move. I'm like, no, we already sat down. This is embarrassing. You already brought us our water. You know, that's me. Right. And he taught me to be like, you know what? If we gonna, if we have to change our table three times, let's do it. And because in the end, you're gonna sit there for an hour, and you gotta enjoy it. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I I came out of my ex relationship being very like fearful even though I was a badass teenager and all these things, my ex like diminished me back to a pea, to right. the size of a pea. And I had to, I had to like um, build myself back up or integrate that like teenage Jenny and um, become that badass again. That's mm -hmm. not afraid, but uh, it's been a journey. Like I'm still on it. You know, your, your Fidel story though. Have you read this book? Hold on. Let me, let me bring it up. Sure. For anybody that's listening, she's slowly rolling away from the computer screen. enjoy it because A, I am rolling over my documents. A, it's about dreams. And B, there's a scene in here where all his aspects come together. This is the Sandman Overture. Whoa. Interesting artwork. Gaming. Yeah. Oh, dude. Like, that's just the view. It's, it's insane. Oh, it's a comic. Oh, yeah. It's a graphic, graphic novel. And... It's so beautiful. There's a part where he, where there's something going on and Dream, the character is called Dream Morpheus, is, uh, is in the same spot with all of his parallel reality aspects. One of them is a cat. Mm. And they're walking, they're like all these aspects of himself are walking together because something's happening and they all need to come together for this. Something's breaking. I think death, the fabric of time or some kind of dimension is... So here is the gathering of him and all of his aspects. The cat is there somewhere. Oh, wow. But it's pretty cray-cray. I love this book. Oh, there's the cat. Yeah. All squinty-eyed. But they're all there, like, trying to figure out what's going on. But anyway, it's... it's what's it called? It's um, The Sandman, the Sandman Overture. The Sandman Overture. By Neil Gaiman. I'll send it to you on Facebook, but it's... it's you're going to love it. And they have so many... He has so many books. This is just one of them. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I'm writing... <laughs> uh, no, I showed... I, like, I gave you, like, a little sample way back when. of the. Yes! I a, remember I've that. Expanded, that was so good. I've expanded a lot on it. So the whole... I've been kind of trying to really piece together how, what format I want it to be in. And I've really contemplated the graphic novel Ooh. version of it. So it's interesting that I'm, I'm glad to see that there's something in that sort of same kind of realm that's yeah. in a graphic novel. Cause that makes And it's crazy. about dreams. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The main character is dream. Yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude. And yeah, just, uh, just to kind of end things off real quick. Um, first off, it's been, a fascinating conversation with you. I really oh, appreciate yeah. having you on. Um, I can't wait to do it again in the future. Me. We were talking earlier about, you know, kind of messages you seem to get from, you were talking about like the blah, 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 blah. And then kind of <laughs> getting stuff, what I call the ether. So stuff like ideas or images or things that seem to come from somewhere that are really kind of like, whoa, that really influence you in some way that don't seem to be from you specifically. So this is something that came to me from the ether on 9-20-20 at 9-20 p.m. 
Yeah. So if you're, if anybody's into numerology, it's interesting repeating numbers that happen there. I was in the shower when this came to me, I was thinking about certain situations and it came to me and I was like, holy fuck. So it's called the three fruits. So you're the second person that I've asked this on the podcast. So I'm interested. And I think I know what you'll say, but I'm interested to see what you'll say. <clears throat> so it's called the three fruits. So in front of you stands a tree that bears three hanging fruits. The first fruit hangs the lowest, making it the easiest to get along with the quickest. It will be sweet and taste good, but you will have to lower yourself to get it. The second fruit is at eye level with you. You will have to walk over to to get it, which will take some effort, but it is the most in alignment with the you that you are right now. It will taste good and is comfortable, but it is not the highest one. The third fruit hangs from the highest branch. It is out of reach from what you can see, and the current you cannot grasp it. It will take time, patience, effort, and possibly even suffering to taste, but it will be the sweetest and best tasting of the three, but one you will have to grow in order to reach. Which do you choose? Well, I mean, I have a, always like a inner battle of the staying comfortable because I have children for some reason. I, I, I always feel like slow and steady will get me there, but I'm always aiming for that higher. But I'm doing it like in little, like inching. Yeah. So I can't say that I'm this like heroic person that's gonna go for the highest fruit, but I can, but I can relate to the second fruit as well but I'm always, I am always going up. It's just not like, you know. <laughs> Can you do that one more time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's, it's, so I, I'm very, I'm very like torn between like that journey. It's, I guess in the, in the big picture, yes, the biggest, highest fruit. Right. But in the present. You're kind of in between. It's, it's like an internal mode. Yeah. You'd be surprised. I've asked this this question to, at this point, still less than 10 people, but I've gotten a few that say that they want the lowest one. I've gotten a few that definitely wanted the highest one, but chose the second one. And then I've gotten several that obviously you're actually like the first that's kind of, you, you're more leaning towards the highest one, but you very much relate to the second one, which honestly... I think but that's human... what that's why that's why it's so uncomfortable you know it right. comes with anxiety it comes yeah. with it comes with all that shit yo yeah. the fears you yeah. have to work on yourself to get there like exactly. you have to work on yourself to you got to manage your your emotions got to manage that anxious feeling you got to manage the unknown bullshit you got to um it takes the best you to get it bro is I mean, yeah. sometimes I'm like, why do I do this? You know? Yeah. Um, and I go back into my shell for a few days, but thankfully I have a partner that doesn't allow me to stay there. Wallow. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, um, well, this is, you know, it's fun. He tells me it's fun. So I always remember like <laughs> whenever I'm thinking something scary, cause I became real chicken shit in my later years. I remember what would Dimitri say? It's fun. You know, I so I turn, I turn it into that like fun thing. Like, no, this is fun. Like, this is, this is what I signed up for. This is cool. Like, this isn't, you know, teenage Jenny would be like, fuck yeah. yeah. You know, so I try to do a little bit for her, but I'm dealing with the chicken, man. You know, it, that, that's the whole, like what that Lucid told me about the, 
your life is a classroom. Like you're here to learn, you're here to evolve, you're here to grow. And not everybody just fucking rockets forward to that ultimate spot. You know, like Martin Luther King said, I'm going to be butchering it. So I apologize to everybody who's you know, <laughs> much more fucking, this is just my inner chimpanzee trying to sound, you know, a little bit more intelligent. Right. But essentially his message was no matter what you do, you have to move forward. So whether yeah. that moving forward is in leaps and bounds, like you're running, whether it's walking, you know, big strides, whether it's fucking just crawling on the floor, inch by inch. Moving like forward my, like the moving. beginning of my astral. This is how I view everything. I'm like, I crawled for years, yeah. you know, stuck in walls like an idiot. But you created years. momentum because of it. And now I, I get all these like journeys. Yeah. And I've gone to meet, you know, my, the councils that are behind my my dream and my missions and i've gotten to see my other lives and spirit guide and all these things and i'm just like you know what i just keep opening these gateways because i keep moving forward yep and no matter how slow it's none of anybody's business it's my life well it's a journey that you'll have for the rest of your life so exactly it. it's Remember the dance. that it's fun <laughs> This is fun. We're having fun. And that's something that I'm going to try to remember as I'm continuing to try to become a more uh, wild and AP kind of guy and getting comfortable with and get outside the sensation the box. of sleep paralysis, you know? All of those techniques don't have to be as they're told. Like, I had to find my own way of doing shit. Like, I, like you know, I told you the whole evolution of it from a, from a sleep paralysis, from a lucid dream, blah, 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 blah. In the end, I didn't need any of that, but I did you know yeah. just to have the experience and get to experience it all but um yeah in the end you don't have to leave your body to do any to experience anything i believe that you are the source it's in you you're already there that's the mentality and it's fun yeah all right jennifer i really appreciate talking to you this was awesome uh, we'll definitely yeah, thanks be for having me on just cut just cut out the coughing <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm leaving Dinner in that last time. one. Though. I'm, I'm leaving in that last one right there. All right, I appreciate talking. Give me whatever, I don't care. All right, <laughs> I'm just talk joking. to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye.